Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. We are a weekly Columbus-centric podcast focusing on the civics, lifestyle, entertainment, and people of our city. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. This week, in this time of consistent change and challenge, we look at how the Columbus community is standing up. Can't Stop Columbus is a community-wide movement that tries to address some of the problems that have arisen due to the COVID-19 crisis. I chatted with Can't Stop Columbus co-organizer Mackenzie King about how the organization got started with a tweet, how the project evolved, the importance of finding ways to support each other, how they defined their process, how they've scaled up to 56 projects at this point, how they're planning for longevity and allowing for organic partnerships, and the importance of being authentic and respectful. You can get more information on what we discussed today in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. Also, The Confluence Cast is on Patreon. Find out how to support this podcast on our website, theconfluencecast.com, or at patreon.com confluence. The Confluence Cast is sponsored this week by the Upper Arlington Labor Day Arts Festival. While recognizing that the Upper Arlington Labor Day Arts Festival is a much-loved tradition, Arts and culture is much more important than just a one-day festival. As a result, the Cultural Arts Division is excited to present a variety of alternative ways to still celebrate art and artists in the community. Join us as we celebrate an alternative Labor Day Arts Festival with events and activities for everyone to enjoy. For a list of planned events, please visit upperarlingtonoh.gov L-D-A-F. Enjoy the interview. Sitting down here virtually with Mackenzie King, one of the co-organizers of Can't Stop Columbus. Mackenzie, how are you? Great, Tim. Thanks for having me on. No, absolutely. Thanks for making the time. First of all, tell us about Can't Stop Columbus and how it got started. Sure. So back in, uh, let's see, mid-March, my friend and colleague Jordan Davis of Smart Columbus and the Columbus Partnership she just put out a tweet on a Sunday night and said, hey, uh, how about we host a virtual hackathon? And she tagged a couple key individuals, uh, friends like Ben Blancara of the tech community, Tech Life Columbus, and several others who thought, hey, this might be a good idea. And funny enough, you know, one, one day goes by and a whole crew of OSU students came together and they put together a formal proposal for what this could look like. And what we ended up doing was collecting a group of people, folks like Derek DeHart and Nate Beckman. Uh, Nate's from Digital uh, Service of Columbus and both Rachel and Derek are from Give Back Hack. So we just got a whole crew of people together and said, let's put together an organizing team uh, for a virtual hackathon, but that soon evolved uh, in a really exciting way. We were planning on hosting a virtual hackathon on perhaps like a long weekend, a couple weeks mm-hmm. after we posted it, but um, people wanted to get started right away. Like literally days later, we had an app up or a website called Support Columbus Eats that was helping restaurants communicate to 
the public, whether or not they were open for delivery or open at all uh, for, for pickup. And people were using it. And not only were people using it, but it started to get attention of other cities. So other cities started to adopt the code base. And it sort of grew from there. We've got such and an so just to, I'm sure when I record the intro in the future time that will then become what folks heard before this, the, the idea for the hackathon, I imagine, was inspired by, hey, we don't know, like, we're sort of under this semi-quarantine. Things are shutting down around us. There is a not-yet-declared pandemic happening around the world. And so was there... It was like a hackathon, and for those that don't know what a hackathon is, you sort of a, a bunch of people come in with different ideas, and then groups coalesce around some of those ideas. There's a predetermined amount of time to sort of solve a problem, whether that's spinning up a website or proving out a concept for an app or something like that. And and you tell me whether this is correct. The idea was let's do things surrounding uh, what's happening right now. Exactly. Yeah. And we wanted to to really address the the local business community, but also more broadly, how can we get communication out to the public about what to do? Um, mm -hmm. How can we support communities like the arts community that are going to be you know, sort of locked up in quarantine, just like the rest of us? And they often mm -hmm. depend on the, the public to come and experience their work firsthand. Um, and, and also just raising the question of, of how can we virtually support and, and, and be with one another right now. We wanted to figure out how to support one another. There were people at home uh, working from home for the first time. There were parents at home uh, getting to know what it means to be a, a teacher, but also working from home and trying to keep their kids busy. And um, we generally just wanted to see what the problems were and, and how we could support. And things mm -hmm. really evolved from there. You know, obviously I mentioned the Support Columbus Eats website that, that was popped up almost overnight. Mm -hmm. um, but we now have a, a pretty robust process, series of process steps that we go through with many of our projects. So not only are they just getting spun up really quickly, which is, is an awesome way to do things, but in some cases we're actually pausing and doing a design sprint. So in the case of uh, one challenge around uh, helping parents with homeschooling, we went to our friends at uh, Nationwide Innovation, uh, their innovation team, and mm -hmm. we put together a rigorous design research process to get to know what parents are actually facing, what those real challenges are, and then uh, some initial ideas on how we could address some of those challenges. And it actually, that particular project is one of my favorites because it evolved into another partnership where COSI came on board. Uh, we had, of course, technologists and developers on the team, but we had designers on the team and then we had educators on the team too. So hmm. COSI came into the mix. We developed a program called Teach Back where kids could become teachers and teach back what they learned from their teachers or from their parents, and then post that information up to COSI. And then we built a whole curriculum around how to do that for the, the parents that are at home. So again, the projects range so drastically from uh, things like returning to school, returning to childcare, to helping local businesses, helping get the word out around um, health and wellness, and then um, supporting the arts as well. That's awesome.
yes, you're responding to what's happening in the world around you, right? But talk a little bit about what the philosophy was at the time of what you wanted to do. Well, I can speak from my personal experience and I can speak for the group, but personally, I I really wanted to engage with people. And I think there were a lot of people out there feeling the same way, like stuck in your home and by yourself or or with just your significant other or, or close family members and wanting to feel connected to something bigger. And what I think this community has done so well is to give us each a sense of purpose in a really challenging time. And one of my favorite, my all-time favorite projects, although they're all my favorites, we have 56 projects now, Tim. Like it's it's sort of unbelievable. Oh, wow. But uh, one of my favorite tracks of work is, is the Supporting the Arts track. And I got to uh, bring together some folks like AJ Vandarelli and Adam Brulette, and, and they really brainstormed what we could do um, in one case, we brought together uh, Gravity and Kaufman Development to do uh, an installation of art around the city where we had these mural cubes, eight foot by eight foot mural cubes, uh, four artists featured. And we installed these at hospitals so that the nurses and doctors and patients could get this sense of uplift. It's called Gravity mm-hmm. Uplifts, uh, get a sense of uplift and really just see some art in a time when we're all really sort of struggling to get by and, and looking for that positive uh, momentum and that optimism. So these mural cubes were put uh, both in hospitals and in um, high traffic areas around town, like Brad DeHaye's um, parking lot over on fourth and main. Mm-hmm. And these artists, they, they, they said to us things like, you know, we're, we're hungry to do something. Uh, but we don't know what to do. We need that. We need that outlet where we can leverage our skills, our talents, the things we love, the the mm-hmm. the, the real um, the the real talent that I can bring to the community, the arts, and and do something and get it out there. So uh, Kaufman was generous enough to sponsor the project. Each pro- each artist was paid because there is a real challenge in in the arts community right now of unemployment and reemployment. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone was paid and we got those mural cubes up and out. And um, I think they were the first day was May 1st, which was that initial reopening when people were starting to emerge from their homes wearing masks, mm-hmm. of course. Uh, but we were really excited to be able to contribute to um, bringing a little bit of positive uplift to the community. And so what it, what's the vision of the co-organizers of sort of is it in your mind is it just hey we we're creating this community and what and we're going to validate what comes out of it to sort of be able to make sure we're not investing a whole bunch of resources is an idea that maybe not necessarily that it's a bad idea but like can we execute on that 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 seems too big what's the philosophy behind what how the co-organizers are running things yeah, the, the co-organizers are truly that. They, they help organize and facilitate behind the scenes. And mm-hmm. what has been really exciting is to see that um, people come to our Slack channel. And our Slack channel is actually where most of our communication occurs. But people from all backgrounds are coming to the community from 
technology and design and public sector, private sector, they're coming and saying they want to do something. They're posting early stage ideas. And then we, um, the organizers, watch the ideas to see which ones are getting a lot of traction and then create a project channel and then truly serve as a liaison and support as that project is getting stood up. So we've got some tools in play to um, look through our volunteer uh, roster to find specific talents. Uh, so if, if in fact a video editor is needed or a designer uh, or a researcher, we can quickly go in and find 20 people with that skill set and then lead them to that project and, and then help break down the work and get that done. So we're, we're truly at a phase where we want to help support and lift up and, and help facilitate. We've, we've avoided um, the process of, of rejecting projects. Like it's almost a self-selection of what the community is excited and interested in sort of rises to the top and becomes a project. We have okay. 56 projects across our 12 impact areas. Um, so we, we aren't solely committed to just COVID related or COVID relief related initiatives. Once the protests started to occur, there were, there were projects that bubbled up around anti-racism and equity and of course, now thinking about uh, back to school time or education, childcare, uh, digital divide is a really big area of focus and concern. So okay. the, the project themes um, evolve as the needs of our community evolve. And we've got uh, a little kitchen cabinet of sorts of people that come together and say, hey, I've really seen this issue become important and a top priority. And is there is there a way that we can bring a nonprofit to the table and, and some creative folks to the table to start addressing it. Um, mm -hmm. So we've, we've done that. Um, but most of our ideas are, are actually crowdsourced straight from the community. Um, as I mentioned before, these design sprints where we're testing out how we can get deeper into a, a understanding of user needs and problems and issues before we start designing a solution. And that's been, really quite powerful to see in action. The Confluence cast is sponsored this week by the Upper Arlington Labor Day Arts Festival. While recognizing that the Upper Arlington Labor Day Arts Festival is a much-loved tradition, arts and culture is much more important than just a one-day festival. As a result, the Cultural Arts Division is excited to present a variety of alternative ways to still celebrate arts and artists in the community. Join us as we celebrate an alternative Labor Day Arts Festival with events and activities for everyone to enjoy. For a list of planned events, please visit upperarlingtonoh.gov LDAF. When you guys got started, nobody thought we would still be where we are. Yes. Uh, at the at the beginning of September is when we're recording this. Do you feel like you planned for longevity to the point that you needed to when you were getting started? Like, did it feel much more like, yeah, we're going to set this up and, you know, we hope that this uh, enacts positive change for the future. But, you know, we're probably not going to have to keep mowing this lawn for much longer. Uh, now that we're sort of at this spot, 
is there a vision or thought around well yeah things are gonna go to back go back to let's say this things are gonna go back to a new normal and is there a philosophy behind how this project moves forward yeah I, I think that's such a great question and it's been the top of mind question for the last month and a half in particular but I would say there are some wise people on our organizing team that saw this uh, as a long-term uh, situation right from the go. You know, we've got a vantage point into the corporate community. Columbus Partnership and Smart Columbus are at the table in this initiative in a really big way. So they started hearing from corporations really early on that that they're simply these corporations just aren't going to let their employees back in the workplace until there's a mm -hmm. vaccine. And now we're starting to hear that perhaps it's going to be June in some cases or March where people aren't going to be back in their offices. So um, we definitely had a hunch that this would, this would not be a, a one month engagement or a two month engagement, but uh, particularly in the past month and a half, we've, we've really rallied our community to raise the question of what, what are the needs of our community now? And, and what, what is, what is the response of Can't Stop Columbus? What is our role in the community moving forward? Um, we were really nimble and quick and agile in those first couple weeks in particular and just standing up solutions. And we literally have 1,700 people in our Slack community. So we mm -hmm. were able to bring together a great diverse group of skilled individuals quickly uh, now the question is, what what type of engagement are these volunteers looking for uh, in the same virtual realm, um, or perhaps in the in-person realm? We've got great partnerships with Point, and Point organizes events and programs uh, to volunteer. So, so we're we're prepared to help get people into volunteer experiences that are in-person too. But most importantly, how do we leverage? the skilled volunteers that are in our community. Mm -hmm. And we've held a couple brainstorming sessions and discussions that have helped us understand what those seven key areas are that we think our phase two might be worthy of uh, focus. And I mentioned a couple of them, but um, you know, one that is <laughs> that I haven't mentioned that is absolutely top of mind and super time sensitive is voting. Uh, and getting mm -hmm. people to the poll. So we're not going to take a partisan approach um, to to the election, but we are really eager to make sure that uh, the residents of Columbus know how to vote. It's it's somewhat confusing, the absentee process, the getting getting of your, your ballot and turning it in. Mm -hmm. So we've got like three teams already that are eager to support these voter initiatives. So it's the ride to vote once early voting starts. It's the how do you navigate the absentee ballot process. And we've got a team that's focused on civics curriculum. So what happens in the high school? Uh, what what mm -hmm. happens when 18-year-olds that don't quite understand this process? The League of Women Voters and Common Cause have curriculums that we're, we're sort of amping up with uh, some extra design horsepower and some, some TikTok-style viral video production and really creating some momentum around um, the, the voting experience for these young people and perhaps the, the poll worker experience too. There's a lot to do there and we've got only a couple months to 
get people in the right place at the right time to get their vote in. So as you let's call it phase two. I don't know. Have you formalized what you're calling where you are right now? Yeah, we've called it phase two. Okay. I would hope in my head, having seen it evolve, uh, while not super active, I was in the slap group pretty early on. Um, You're in my head. You're at like phase four. So (laughs) congratulations on that. Is there talk much or have you formalized what you're doing? You're a group, you're a group, a loose knit group of volunteers and organizers. There are folks getting paid. I mean, you talked about the artists that are getting paid, but they're, um, uh, I imagine there's sort of a, you're just the dotted line uh, that there's a formal process for, you know, a sponsor to acquire something. But is there talk of, you know, formalizing a little bit more, having a board, having a donor structure, like, is that part of that conversation or is that waiting for your phase three? That's a good question. And, and we have started to have some of those conversations. Um, we, we have a strong organizing team that it represents a uh, couple sectors in the community. Um, and we've got partners, we've got, I think we have 94 different allies is what we're calling them. Um, okay. And they have come to the table in different ways. Um, we've got folks like Bell Communication that have donated time in their public relations skill set, um, all the way through to um, folks like the Columbus Partnership and Smart Columbus that are supporting um, with some some time and talent and, and resources. We don't have a specific plan in play to set up a, a board or uh, a more formal structure at this point. Um, we are taking a lot of feedback from our community right now and, and channeling that into these uh, seven thematic areas for the next few months. And then we're going to have another partner roundtable and rally uh, with our community in November, which will kick off the next phase. And you might start to see some of the formalities, um, but we've spent a lot of time, in particular the last month, understanding what exists in our community already and and trying not to uh, repeat, but in, instead complement and, and partner and pair with them. So for instance, we, we have a really strong Code for America chapter here in Columbus um, that has sort of folded into Can't Stop Columbus in a really organic way to partner on a lot of projects. Uh, but Code for America is, uh, I would guess, over 10,000 members strong here in uh, in the States, and many cities have their own chapter. But it's, it's primarily focused on uh, technologists and coders and programmers. So We've learned that Can't Stop Columbus is broader than that, but but in our virtual world, we've got so many projects that are in fact technology-related projects. So we're we're pairing with that organization to partner with them. We're also partnering with Give Back Hack. Um, Give Back Hack has been such an amazing uh, experience. It's a, a a weekend-long event that has happened here in Columbus for the last several years, but teams come together, they produce a social enterprise oriented project over the course of the weekend, and then they pitch it to funders at the end of the weekend. But because of our new remote style working uh, world, the event is going to take place over the course of a week and be virtual and it'll engage 
um, the chapters of Give Back Hack from around the world, which is quite impressive. So yeah, we want to make sure that we're serving as a pipeline for folks like Give Back Hack. Um, mm -hmm. And we're also serving as a partner for organizations like Columbus Digital Service and, and Code for America's uh, Open Columbus Brigade. Uh, so we've got more to do in that area of, of understanding what's out there and, and exploring those ways of partnering and leveraging uh, the skill sets collectively. Gotcha. And it's okay if the answer is no. I'm curious if as you guys have progressed, because you grew very quickly, right? And and as you said, a lot of projects sort of bubble up pretty quickly and then things are sort of out there. Mm -hmm. Can you think of any, let's call them surprises, some may call them uh, stumblings that you guys have experienced and maybe growing pains or just you guys tried something and it just didn't work, the engagement didn't happen, or it was sort of something that you were like, oh, we really shouldn't have done that. Like uh, any anything there, you know. I'm I'm experiencing something right now. We just talked about in our our leadership team meeting on Wednesday. Um, we've got these sort of focus areas for Phase 2.0, things like voting and digital divide and return to to school, and we're starting to wonder, like the ones that are getting a lot of traction, like voting, are a bit more understood and accessible to to people at large, but mm -hmm. perhaps things like um, racism and equity or unemployment, reemployment just aren't in that, that, that same daily routine and swirl that people are in. So we're raising the question of like, what does it mean to get these, these community challenges in front of our community so that they can um, ideate and innovate the solutions for them in a way that's that's authentic and respectful to the need at hand. Um, mm -hmm. We've got such a strong nonprofit community here in Columbus. And we've had a chance to work really closely with the Columbus Foundation and doing some of these design sprints to really like get to the root of the cause of, of these problems, talk to real humans that are facing them. So like, how do we do that in a way that um, can, can equally excite people, um, but it might not be as easily understood in their own day-to-day -day life. Um, I hate yeah. to say it, because unemployment is, is, is everywhere. It seems like everyone has a friend or a family member that's facing it. Um, but some of these pro problems are really complex. So how do you start to unpack them? Um, yeah. It's not easy. Well, and how do you balance the... Because you want to use your resources to positively affect the most people, right? Right. And, and the easiest way to affect people is to get them to want your resources. It's something I think about in terms of like problem solving of, is it urgent and is it important? Mm -hmm. And sometimes things are both urgent and important, but nobody wants to hear it. Yeah, yeah. And so how do you, if you say this is going to affect 10 people and they're like, well, we've got this other project over here that needs the same resources that could affect a hundred people. And you're like, yeah, but these 10 people, their lives are going to be changed. And these 10 people and these a hundred people got to see a, a curbside concert and it's, it's a trade-off and it's, yeah. and it's a constant one. 
just to sort of wrap up, have you guys seen, uh, you said that the, the restaurant website was, people sort of took that and duplicated it in other cities. I'm wondering mm -hmm. if you've seen other things or even this model as a whole transfer to other cities or uh, is the Columbus ecosystem as unique as we like to think it is? You know, Columbus is really unique. I want to give credit where it's due. The fact that we have been able to see this grow into what it is and to see the nonprofit and private sector come to the table and, and such a diverse group of skill sets, it's really amazing. So I like to keep an eye on Code for America's Slack channel. I, I joined their Brigade Congress last year to get to know leaders from other cities that are doing this type of work. And Mihir Amin, who's here in Columbus leading the Open Columbus Brigade, he and I actually were on a call with a team in Burlington, Vermont last week to uh, talk to them about some of the challenges that they were facing. And, and to be honest, some of the challenges we're facing, just like some of the challenges I, I shared with you today, mm -hmm. um, they're, they're facing some too. They, they wanna do more. Um, they wanna leverage our design sprint process to get deeper into the challenges and really understand what people need and want. Uh, so we're sharing some resources with them, and uh, they're, they've been a great sounding board for us. We also joined um, uh, an international summit called Code for All, which is the Code for America's sister that, that reaches across nations. And Mihir mm -hmm. um, and I both presented to a large group of uh, different leaders from around the world on what Can't Stop Columbus is doing. And People have been impressed and inspired and, and, you know, I've been in Columbus now for about seven years. I'm impressed and inspired by this community, um, the way it comes together and, and the, the real drive to give back is really, um, it, it's, it's been awesome. Um, and it's personally been awesome for me. You know, I'm, I'm here going through the, the daily grind of, of adjusting to remote work. Um, and I know it's been an inspiration to, to many people in our community to have this sense of purpose and a place to give back when, when things have been tough. Yeah. Mackenzie, thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you, Tim. It's been so nice talking to you. You too. Thank you for listening to the Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. Again, you can get more information on what we discussed today in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. Please rate, subscribe, share this episode of the Confluence Cast with your friends, family, contacts, enemies, your favorite volunteer. If you're interested in sponsoring the Confluence Cast, get in touch with us. We can be reached by email at info at theconfluencecast.com. Our theme music was composed by Benji Robinson. Our producer is Philip Cogley. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. Have a great week.